97.1 FM, 3MDR. We're at Port Ferry this weekend, roving reporter Jules, and I'm chatting to the lovely Felix Mart. So nice to see you again, Felix. Good morning, and good morning to everyone. Yep, and uh, we ch- you've got a few roles on here at Port Ferry this weekend, by the sound of it. You're an MC. I'm an MC. What does that involve? Because I've been chatting to people about different jobs within um, the festival, the volunteers. and Well, basically, when there's an act coming up on stage, you talk to them a little bit and then you go onto stage and introduce them and everybody claps and then you walk off so it's not too hard i suppose if they're running late then you've got to make up a few things to say but it's just have you got the gift of the gab feeling oh, i don't think so <laughs> he says with a great big smile on his face <laughs> look i i think you just need to be relaxed and this casual and you know try and try not to say anything too clever because it's all up to the performers basically you know just introduce them and and uh, give the audience some basic guidance on where where they can find the toilets and where they can get drinks and where they can get food and whether they shouldn't be too loud and where they can dance and all that sort of stuff and um i I have a question for you because even in radio i still get a little bit starstruck and does that happen to you don't don't make that face I do. I get. I, I've interviewed people that I really have always admired, oh, yeah. and I sometimes think they're just people. I just want to talk to them as people. But do you do you ever find that happens as an MC that you're sort of managing someone on a stage that you think, wow, you know, really admire their work. It's lovely to be around them. How does that work for you? Yeah, well, it's, I think it's the same for everyone. Like you, you see someone that you really admire and you don't know them, and you just walk up and you're saying, "G'day, I'm Felix." and and they sort of look at you and go, well, what, what's the connection? And you go, oh, well, I'm, I'm a musician, you know. And so you just try and give you a five-second, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I do this and this. And By the so- way, do you need a fiddle player? <laughs> all that sort of stuff. No, well, I mean, it's the same for everyone, hey? So we're all in the same boat. That is actually the business of music, and it is an art, it's an art form, but it is actually a business, and that's how connections get made. So yeah. it's absolutely so true. So I think, you know, I mean, and some people really appreciate it, and you never know when you've you've uh, introduced yourself to someone at a good time or a bad time you just never know do, do you? you don't and one of the things i love about interviewing people is especially especially the ones you don't expect to interview so if you get a chance to have a bit of a chat backstage you could find you're just chatting about something that's happened that's quite out of the ordinary got nothing to do with the festival and it's one of the best conversations you ever had yeah <laughs> happens a bit yeah Anyway, we want to move on. We're going to chat about you've got a, you're not just an MC. A obviously you're a musician in bushfire but you write plays as well. I and do mm. and I've uh, a couple of years ago I performed one of those plays here at the festival in the courthouse called Barry versus Kelly. Now I didn't realise that plays were put on at the festival. Well, it's a music pl- play. It's a it's a heavily music play, and it was um, by chance we were put into the Port Ferry courthouse. We'd never performed this play in a courthouse. And, of course, most of the story is set in a courtroom and it revolutionised the whole presentation of the play. And it was really a new play after that. So, Which play are we talking about? T- talking about a play called Barry versus Kelly. Yeah. So Barry is the judge, J- Judge Barry. And Ned Kelly, of course, is the famous bushranger. And the story is set right at the end of Ned Kelly's life, you know, two weeks before he's hanged and... What happened um, is there was a real big exchange in the courtroom between Ned and the judge. And one of the last things that Ned said to the judge was after he'd sentenced him to death was, I'll see you where I go. Oh, it's kind of spooky. Yeah. <laughs> but the judge died 12 days later. Of natural causes? Of natural causes. Oh. But, oh. 
one of the and this is wow this, this is research that was done and this i'd suspect that he i mean who wouldn't be spooked by that you would be spooked by that wouldn't you mm. But there there was one reference in a a law book in about 1906, Ford's law book of Victoria or something, that the the, the judge was very uncomfortable about all that. So that was sort of the basis of my play. And I, in fact, imagined that he was very ill during the trial and all that time. So I've sort of based the play on, you know, the judge's hazy consciousness and mishearing things and remembering things and all that sort of thing so it's a, a little bit of the mad king george the third and and um you know i'm fascinated in in the role of writing a play being a playwright i suppose is the right title for it how long have you been doing it and why did you choose that particular story well okay so i'm a playwright by accident um, and we've, I think we've spoken about this before because my brother-in-law now passed away um, asked me to write something for about Walsing Matilda and I ended up writing The Man They Call the Banjo so I'd collaborated on lots of musicals and plays before but I'd never ever written the, the story or the script and as a music writer you're always hanging around waiting for someone to write your story and I just suddenly found it was a lot not necessarily a lot quicker but a lot you're much more self-reliant if you write your own story then you know where your music's going and all those things anyway the that's actually an interesting angle actually I, I think our listeners would be keen to hear a bit more about that because quite a few of them are going to come and see this play it's coming to our town soon folks in Emerald uh, that's where our radio station is based um, as part of the Fave, Pave Festival yeah we'll be performing in the Gem Theatre on uh, Friday April the 12th mm. I think it's about 7.30 um and the tickets are on sale now, and I'm, you are very welcome to come along and see the play <laughs> and come and chat to me afterwards about how I did it. <laughs> well, I think the whole process is fascinating. One, you, you must, you've done an awful lot of research. I, don't, I know you're a very busy man, but I don't know how you find the time to do writing, scripting, bringing the cast together, rehearsals, as well as your professional business of bourgeoisie and teaching and all the other wonderful things that you do. Well, the thing about, I mean, and this is an interesting thing about what I thought was important for me in approaching the Ned Kelly story was, because I've been to, you've been to films and musicals, and what I, the first decision, creative decision I made was that um, I've seen these musicals and films, and they try and tell the whole story, Um, you know, from Ned was beginning to end, and any one of the scenes in Ned's life, like Glenrow and Stringybark Creek, The Trial... Uh, the whole Fitzpatrick affair, all, any one of those scenes is an episode in itself, mm. a huge episode. So I just thought, look, I'm just going to choose one part of the story. So that was the end of the story. And there was a few things that I was really preoccupied with. So what I find is you just got to really make a priority about what it is you want to say and really try and concentrate on those particular themes. And the theme that really interested me was... Why didn't Ned Kelly run away? Mm. Why didn't he just run away? I mean, he had, he, you know, we've heard of uh, convicts and bushrangers that got on boats and went to America. Now, in Ned's case, if he'd have gone to America, he probably would have been a hero and he probably would have earned a lot of money from public speaking. He, he probably would have had a really good life. The but whole sliding door scenario, he could have had a whole other... Yeah. A, whole, a whole other life. And, you know, in America they really celebrate anti-British 
are rebels. Establishment, yes, of course. They really do. And um, he could have chosen that, but he didn't. He chose to stay because his mother was in jail. So the factor was loyalty, and I think that's underneath why he is such a... I mean, I think a lot of people are mystified as to what is the... What is the mystique of Ned Kelly? Why do people think he's so great? And I think he had loyalty and he had courage, mm. right? And so this started to build the story about that. And then the other thing was is that while you want to tell your themes, you don't necessarily want the facts to get in in the way of your story. For instance, Ned's exact words were, I'll see you there where I go. Now, I don't really particularly want to... You know, it doesn't necessarily make good lyrics, so... You don't need to break into song with that particular line, is that what you're saying? <laughs> yeah, well, the point is that... Or do you? <laughs> well, you know, like, I think what you're aiming to do is to present something that's truthful, mm. but not necessarily every line or every every thing that's presented is truthful. For instance, there are quite fictional things in this play, like, well, we don't know for sure, but I'm presuming that on the day of... Um, of the trial, Judge Barry signed the signed his sentence, and it went off to the executive council. In my play, he delays signing it, and the the chief minister, um, I forget the, the chief minister's name. His name's Barry, but he comes back and says, "You haven't signed this document. When are you going to sign it?" And so the drama is about whether he's going to sign it, and he, of course, he eventually does, and then why he signs it. So that is a fictional device to to make the story more dramatic. Now, it's not necessarily truthful, but who can say it's untruthful as well? Because we don't know. Some eyes, isn't it, really? Now, we we know that the decision of the Executive Council to go ahead with the sentence was given as unanimous, but we don't know what the debate was inside the Executive Council. So that was an area where I I could be fictional. And... I have it that, that the chief minister is a- actually lobbying to get Ned off, right? And he's unsuccessful, but that increases the, mm. increases the drama. So the idea is to pick the themes that you really want and to try and pick what are the personal things that are really important. And so why does the judge go ahead? Why was the judge so insistent that he had to hang him? You know, and how did he overcome his own doubts? And So I go into that, yeah? Can I just... Um, we'll have to wrap up shortly, but what did you... Um Research. What were you reading to gather this information? Well, there is a very good book by Ian Jones. Ian Jones passed away just last year called Ned A Short Life, and his research is virtually the best research there is going on, although there's always new information coming to light, but his research is very good. So I started with him, mm. um, and then I worked around what were the known facts and worked on the themes that I, I wanted to present in, in the play and the music. Mm. And you have a wonderful cast. Let's talk a little bit oh, about them. Ned Kelly, I mean, he's just he's just amazing. He really is. Anthony Penhall. And we've got Cora Brown as Ned's mum. And you know what she's I'm like. Cora, Cora is well known to 3MDR. She's terrific. Great singer-songwriter herself, actually. And unlike the, the banjo show, which kind of, because of the nature of the story, didn't really have an end. What's her role in this play? Her role is Ned's mum. Mm, right, right. And she basically, she has the last word. She sings Such Is Life and she sings Loyal Son. So one of the really good things that I like about the, the show is that it has a really strong ending and Cora brings it home every time. Perfect pick. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Cyril? 
Cyril um, uh, plays the guitar, and, and you know how well he plays. He plays it beautifully, and he also contributed to one of the songs as well. So um, that's Cyril from Moran. Yeah. For people who aren't familiar with um, his his musicianship, he's a wonderful local Melbourne musician. And also, you, I um, asked Louis if I could Louis Heston if I could use some of his music. So there's a there's a ballet sequence in it because Barry has a nurse. Right, this is fictional. But he would have had a nurse. Mm. But in my play, she doubles as a entertainment artist after hours. <laughs> and the plot thickens. And her, her double is <laughs> Chloe. Chloe, as in the famous painting. Mm. Oh. Which at that stage was... Oh, now that's an interesting angle. ...was being mm. e- exhibited in Melbourne. So she does the nighttime show as Chloe. So oh, she, wow. So, okay. so she wears a bodysuit... But it looks pretty, pretty good. Who plays that part? Um, well, it's normally a Lucinda Barrett, but she's got a role in Kinky Boots. So Jodie Towering is, um, you know, uh, someone stepping in for her. Jodie Towering. I've just forgotten how to pronounce her, her family name, name for the moment. But she's from Creswick and, you know, she's, she's a bomb. She's fantastic, yeah. yeah. And are you planning to tour with the, the play? Yeah, we're doing... Um, we're almost permanently on tour, basically. Oh, no, you live a great life. <laughs> I'm very jealous. <laughs> we're doing um, Cafe Sidra in Learmont in May as well. We're doing two shows there, so yeah. we're really looking. And there's going to be a party afterwards, and it's, it's just like... I mean, part of, the, part of the great thing about these shows is the after party. Like, one night we're in a <laughs> That's place... That's what theatre's about. That's why we all do it. We love it. <laughs> we were in this um, uh, town in northern Victoria... Um, and the mayor was there and he says, it was a great show, but the after party is even better. <laughs> Let's give our listeners the details for the Jim Co Theatre, which is coming up in just a few short weeks. Um, so it's Friday, April the 12th at 7.30. You can, the tickets are on Try Booking. They're about, I think from memory, so I don't have the poster in front, I think that's $33.27 concession. Um, so it's, well, you might know the theatre as the Gem Co Theatre. Uh, it's in Kilvington Drive, Friday, April the 12th at 7.30. And As part of uh, our wonderful uh, PAVE Festival, Performing and Visual Arts in Emerald. And Fantastic. Our committee is amazing, and I know some of them are listening this morning, so thanks and a big shout-out to all those wonderful volunteers that organise festivals, and that's what you're doing this weekend. Thanks, here Jules. At Port Ferry. Lovely to chat with you. Really lovely to catch up and looking forward to seeing you um, in Emerald in a few short weeks. Yep. Catch you then.